1: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.
0: Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. Welcome to Face to Face, and we have uh, another uh, really interesting guest with us today, Zara Abbas, the uh, founder and executive director of Studio 89 in Mississauga. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Absolute pleasure.
0: So we're going to talk, I hope, about you, a little bit about you and your background and why you're doing all the good things that you do. And... uh, (laughs) And uh, we got a text coming in right now. Of Could course. be pretty important. So let's the, check out is, who This uh, is a
1: regular, so we'll just put the phone on mute here. Yeah, there
0: you go. Okay, you. So Studio Eighty Nine. I'm look. I'm <laughs> sitting here looking at the wall, and it looks like it's been uh, painted by a local artist or <laughs> muraled by a local. Art. We got Fair Trade Cafe, a two-part concept: transparent, safe working conditions, ethical production, sustainability. Question everything. <laughs> be the demand that changes the supply and inspire local. I mean, it's great. So. Obviously, you're not just your everyday average business, by the looks of it. That's right. Uh, we have fair trade coffee, mm-hmm. um, fair trade soup. Is that what I'm looking at organic here? Soup. A card about fair trade soup. So local Tell soup. me a little yeah. bit more about Studio Eighty Nine, and then I'm going to ask some questions about you and why you do what you
1: do. Okay, that sounds like a plan. Well, to begin with, we are not your average cafe because we're a nonprofit organization. <laughs> And our, that's our pastry case that, that goes off once in a while. <laughs> I hope that doesn't interfere with your sound. Uh, but what we're doing here as a nonprofit organization is trying to create a self sustainable model for the work that we've been doing within our community for the last eight years. And not only create a sustainable model, but also a sustainable space where other organizations can grow from so we have multiple sort of tentacles going out into our community and doing good
0: is is the idea sort of to show others that they can this is the kind of thing that they could do as well like Hey, Studio 89 works, mm-hmm. so don't just start a normal business. Maybe mm-hmm. actually what what would you call it? Is this a social enterprise? Is this
1: it is definitely a social enterprise. And yes, that is one part of it, but that, that you know, a big change for nonprofits in the coming future, we feel, is to become more and more self-sustainable. And the the revenue streams can very much be in line with the nonprofit mandates so that there is sort of a local Consciousness as well as a global consciousness at play. Another aspect to this is, of course, that business can be done the right way. In a way that is not destroying the environment, that is not destroying other communities and not hurting habitats, but in fact nourishing in some capacity.
0: So a business that gives back in a variety of ways, basically, exactly. is what it is.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And because we're a nonprofit, profit our, our a huge aim is to empower and mobilize people for the issues that they're so passionate about maybe on a local scale or a global scale so we have tons of initiatives that utilize our space for fundraisers utilize our space for meetings for planning and tons of other things which makes us so 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 happy so like the paintings you see here are being auctioned off for various different causes we have um, our calendar is just jam-packed with various events that are taking place. And some of them are just fun. People come here to play board games, for example.
0: Right, right. Does, does anyone just guys? come for the coffee?
1: Lots of people come for the coffee. <laughs> and especially because, and here is my theory, when you do coffee right, it just tastes better. So we often get told that our coffee tastes really good. And I tell people, well, it's because it has four certifications. Right. It's fair-trade, it's organic, it's bird-friendly, and it's rainforest-certified, which means that it's grown on a shade-grown and lovingly farm. prepared. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And By the staff here at Studio 89. <laughs> you got it. And when you're paying for that coffee, it's a donation yep. towards a nonprofit. So it's kind of like this win 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 yeah. model. Yeah,
0: yeah, working on mm-hmm. a variety of levels. Well, and I think that's what social entrepreneurship and now sometimes called entrepreneurship, is all about, mm-hmm. really. It's about not saying that business uh, can exist or that there is this incredible entirely different model mm-hmm. it's just maybe we can tweak the model a wee bit along the way absolutely. and it's still really new in mm-hmm. some regards and yet when you look back in history people were you know developing this kind of model hundreds of years ago That's you right. know um, That's right. around things like fair trade sugar and fair mm-hmm. trade coffee many the slave trade and so on trying to be a little more ethical about the way they do business
1: absolutely and and when there is a will, there is a way Industrialization has taken many a decade to break things down to the point where now corporations are growing at this rapid, rapid speed and and mom-and-pop businesses are dying down. You don't see so many cafes and places like this that are sort of community Spaces, right. you know, we at least in the suburbs here we don't see it. Definitely in the city, but we, not here.
0: Uh, I've been working with uh, as a consultant with a local organization uh, who's been talking a lot about creating space for youth. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting. It's not just about the geographic or the the, the physical space, but also creating an environment, <clears throat> you know, ideological, philosophical, and so on, relational exactly. that allows people to hang out and and talk and and for this organization promote peace that's right. and to, to and basically to build relationships. And it sounds so. kind of that's part of Studio 89's mandate, would you say?
1: That is a huge part of what we're doing here. Uh, a couple of things that we're doing as part of the nonprofit are youth that come here. They're doing two campaigns that they are researching, they are designing, they are they are entirely from scratch they are creating. And uh, the objectives of these campaigns are decided by by the youth themselves. We might help tweak it a little bit in terms of grammar or vocabulary, but really we let it be their concepts and their ideas so that they can grow very, very organically within the space. One campaign is to label genetically modified foods in Canada. Another campaign is to stop sex slavery of children, Canada as well as a couple of other countries. And they come here twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 2 p.m. onwards, Hmm. they do their research, they put their material together, we leave them alone. Once in a while, they'll come and they'll ask, you know, what do you think about this letter? How can we tweak it? We'll say maybe shrink it down a little or consider this part. Completely new I mean, you're
0: providing a a form of capacity building, really, aren't you? Exactly. so, is there an age cap on this place? Like, yeah, I mean, does anyone isn't. come in over the age of 28 <laughs> or Absolutely.
1: Yeah. What's actually incredible about this space is when we were first uh, we had this concept written down and we were applying for grants in order to get it up and running, we would say that the Art Adamic Center is going to be a youth center. And then we quickly realized as soon as the place was actually here that there are tons of people out there that need a space like this. And so to make it available only to the youth is actually, you know, right. not catering to the rest right. of the community. Right. And so right. now this space, and what's so wonderful about it, is that it gets used by a variety of ages for a variety of yeah, really so you're, cool you're, reasons. Yeah, so you're,
0: I mean, rotary club meetings. You could have a chess club that that here, oh, right? Totally. It just It doesn't have totally. to necessarily have a social justice edge to it. No, yeah, This is awful. about um, um, really building sort of, Community-based relationships, almost, you could say. Yeah,
1: Yeah. we're a community hub. That's that's what we tell people. Community hub, nice. Community hub, and uh, it's a space that really belongs to everyone. I mean, starting with just the fact that everything here has been pretty much donated by different individuals, businesses, and organizations is kind of the metaphorical aspect of what we're doing.
0: You know, uh, you were able to do it you yes. were able to pull it off. And I am not. Yes. I don't want to undervalue the amount of work and the effort and all the hurdles that you had mm-hmm. to, believe me, I get it. It probably was really tough and I'd love to hear about it. But mm-hmm. the fact that things were donated, that there were, I see the partners up here mm-hmm. on the wall, you've mm-hmm. got about 15 plaques of local organizations and yeah. corporate clients, and so, or not clients, but corporate sponsors and so on, Trillium. Yes. Um, it's just... It's encouraging to me, Mm because it's pretty easy in this space, Mm -hmm. in this non-profit-like social change space, to get pretty cynical, right? Oh, geez, Mm -hmm. this is so much work. Nobody's buying in. Nobody (laughs) cares, you know?
1: Well, you know, I was reading an article once, uh, especially because it it wasn't even so much that as it was all the bureaucratic hurdles that we ended up having to cross. Parking issues, parking permits for the entire building, not just our unit, that delayed us by about a year and three months. So studio89.org,
0: studio89.org in Mississauga. Yes. A little plug right now before you keep going. Uh, (laughs) You mentioned the building. Yes. Uh, It's a new space, right? It's a very new space. Brand new. And we are at what address?
1: 1065 Canadian Place, unit 104. So
0: 403 in Eglinton area. So come on, yes. there's a great sushi restaurant down the road. Come and check this place out. So, sorry, go ahead. That's
1: right. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> You're welcome. We'll, totally. we'll get
0: another plug in later.
1: <laughs> so, so
0: you had parking yeah. issues.
1: Oh, yes. I mean, it was, not
0: something you thought of when you first started writing the proposal, no doubt, to Trillium or Not whoever. at all,
1: especially because there was nothing but parking in this area. Right. So it made absolutely no sense. There's about 300 parking spots, and we would have maybe four cars out here, and the city planner's office was saying, there's no, not enough parking. And it's because on paper, there's not enough parking with how they allocate space and this and that and just really complicated stuff. We had no idea about right. we, we know things about nonprofit stuff. <laughs> right, not
0: construction so, necessarily. Exactly. So yeah. that was a
1: whole new ballgame for us. And it was very disheartening and very, very, very difficult at times and and there were moments where our team kind of looked at each other and said, Why? What? Why? Yeah. <laughs> and the, the cosmos practice, is working against us. Yes. And every step of the way was challenge after challenge. And the more challenges we faced, the more I became convinced that we were going to be super successful once we opened our doors. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it just seems to work that way. I so
0: were you the only one mm-hmm. smiling still? Like when you got together and yes, you felt the discouragement too, but yes. that, you know, being the champion and the leader and the founder. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to prop everyone else up, right? They're the one they come that's to you for part of support, the game. I think. That is, right?
1: that is part of the role, uh, yeah. is that you can't really always let other people see how disheartened you might feel. Yeah, yeah. However, that's why you, I am... That's why you're
0: married, right? That's why you have a
1: partner. <laughs> There you go. Um, But it is, in fact, also a bit of my nature to be delusionally optimistic. Right,
0: nice. And
1: I read an article about entrepreneurship and how difficult it is. It also really helps to know that other people also go through the same types of hurdles. Well, that's kind of why I
0: wanted to talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. it is because, I mean, the whole point of my podcast and my Mm -hmm. blogging and writing is to sort of encourage others to say, take the leap of faith, take the step. Yeah, it's going to be hard as hell, but you'll get there. And you'll have to deal with parking permits, too, but it's going to happen, right? And
1: and financial issues and and every type of issue that you can imagine. Our first big event we had here, we had a toilet backup because somebody flushed something down the toilet they weren't supposed to flush. And we had been open just about two weeks or so, and our entire profits, and I'm talking about gross <laughs> profits, mm-hmm. went towards, if not, it was actually more than our gross profits that we ended up spending in order to get everything cleaned up. Because it also, oh, of course, man. happened in the middle of the night. So
0: it's like, it's the whole one step forward, five oh, steps, five back. steps yeah. backwards, every yeah. step of
1: the way. And so it's so important to just stick it out and know that there is a light. Uh,
0: would you say, at the end of the I tunnel. mean, that... Most small businesses probably face this, not just the social Definitely. enterprise or the nonprofit Definitely. sector. But it seems like there's another. Yeah, you got your idealism, you're delusionally optimistic, mm-hmm. which should be on your business card, by the way, yeah. <laughs> um, and which I think is absolutely necessary for mm-hmm. any kind of entrepreneur. But I think there's an extra level of that in the nonprofit sector. I think because you're also, it seems, fighting against the stream mm-hmm. of. I don't know about common opinion, but mm-hmm. it certainly seems that way, right? That,
1: that it does feel like not, that. Not
0: everybody is really that concerned about building better relationships. Not everybody's worried about fighting for social justice and mm-hmm. questioning everything and, mm-hmm. and so on. And so it adds a whole other nuance, right?
1: Certainly at times it does feel like... We are drill sergeants. Yeah. When we're talking about fair trade and conscious consumerism. think about where your stuff's coming from, think about the impact it's having on the world. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, it is it is very and we don't want to be so preachy because that also makes people run away. <laughs> yeah. So of you course have it to does. be conscious. Of course yes. it does. And I remember
0: somebody saying to me, Yeah, Dave, this whole fair trade thing's great, but it better taste good. Yes. The coffee better so I'm really oh glad to hear your coffee is good. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because it can't just be about the social issue. I yes. think it has to have an ethical component for sure. Mm-hmm. But the product itself has to be good the as well, Gonna buy it, right? Oh, my goodness. And, yeah. and you yeah. know,
1: we faced that almost right away. We were on Yelp, and we thought that was a great business decision. We are, are such progressive thinkers and moving right. with the times. And then we had a customer who came in and walked directly from the door to the counter, picked up one item, and walked out. She was here maybe three seconds. She had no idea we're a nonprofit organization. She has no idea where community space She has no idea what's born here. And she gave us a terrible, terrible, ter- terrible review on Yelp. Uh, the brownie was vegan and gluten-free, and she just said, oh, well, it doesn't taste very good, and that's just a little bit unfair after everything yeah. we've been through, yeah. and that kind of hits yeah. you emotionally, because oh. people don't <laughs> Listen, take the time no, to get no, to know no, you. I
0: understand, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm taking, I'm not taking more criticism these days, mm-hmm. but I'm putting myself out there more now with my podcast mm-hmm. and my writing and so on. And you get those kind of oh, comments, absolutely. and they're hard. And for I think, I think uh, people in this sector, in this mm-hmm. field, uh, well, we're all deeply insecure, it seems to me. right? <laughs> we all have a truckload yes. of baggage yes. that some are more willing to speak about than others. And I would think Studio Eighty Nine is mm-hmm. creating a space for that kind of dialogue. Frankly, that's what yes. I. That's the hopeful idealist in me. That's the delusionally yes. optimistic person. You to me. got it. <laughs> but those kinds of comments and criticisms mm-hmm. that seem to be. Pretty out of left field. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, not up this lady's alley. Yes. But okay, fine. But really, did you have to level a torpedo at us like that? Exactly. You know, and and online for crying out loud. Exactly. Like I don't know. You don't have better time. <laughs> better ways to spend That's your time. Right. You know?
1: That's right. But, well, how two hundred people walk in here and love everything? Yeah, yeah. But Those aren't the people that that do I the have, reviews I've, mostly. <laughs> I have a and I'm, I'm
0: sure I've said this on another podcast, but mm-hmm. he talks about uh, he, he, he he manages a bookstore, and he'll say that. You know, you can hear a uh, hundred positive things in a day, but it's the one negative thing that you'll be focusing on as you go to sleep that night—not the hundred positive things, it's absolutely not the true. wonderful stuff, right? Because well, and you—you yeah. you are. This is heart and soul for you, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and our team as well.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, Cheryl Sharma, who's our business manager. She, well, she's now our finance and uh, business manager. She's also the baker, so she does all oh, our vegan and gluten-free stuff, and she has this. incredible talent for turning things that sound scary like vegan and gluten free and turning them into really delicious food items and people come back again and again for them so it's really something yeah that's good yeah Yeah,
0: well and I think you know I mean you got to take the 200 over the 1 right absolutely and yet you know this is where having a team around you and i think any any leader any any founder needs mm-hmm. a small core group whether it's a partner husband wife mm-hmm. friend mm-hmm. mother father you know um, mm-hmm. or online relationship that you can dump on that you can you know you can be really authentic and transparent and honest with it's pretty pretty important do you have, do you have that kind of a team around you would you say
1: well you know what what's i think uh, at least my in my opinion our team is really solid. We also have YUMNABAS, who is our program manager. And the three of us, there isn't sort of, you know, one makes the decision or one calls the shots. We discuss everything, we, we work together, we Take care of each other's you know it, it's not like this is my job and i only do my job so we try to create a very positive atmosphere to work in right and right. i think we all work hard at that because also we see each other seven right. days a week right. all right. day right. morning to night sure. sure
0: sure
1: more than our families at home because right. we're here all yeah. day every yeah. day <laughs> so so it, it, it does in any relationship where you're working for so incredibly long, yeah. we are going to have different opinions sometimes. But what I think is really solid about us is that we try and talk out everything.
0: So tell me a little bit more about mm-hmm. yourself. Um, and um, you and I met at the Global Change Initiative, which was gee, three or four months ago now, I think.
1: That's in right. In Toronto, uh, speaking right.
0: there. And, and uh, you mentioned to me about how you had this shift in your life, where you started um, to start think you started to think more about this whole idea of inspiring local and global change, and it was in Pakistan, of all places. Yes, And it right. had to do with a TV show. Can can you talk a little <laughs> bit more about that?
1: Absolutely. It was approximately ten years ago now years. that okay. I was in Pakistan. Maybe a little bit more than that. And what it happened to is that right out of high school, I went to university, and I went to study advertising, and my dad wanted me to study pharmaceutical stuff, and I said, oh, no way, daddy. And so I, we came to a middle ground, and I studied marketing. But my one well, of my first classes uh, at Ryerson University was uh, economics, and oh, boy, I would rather just walk around Toronto rather than go to classes, So my mom said, all right, you know, My dear daughter, please take the time you need to figure out what you want to do in your life. So I was working, and I didn't quite know. I didn't have too much going on. So I decided, my cousin was getting married in Pakistan, I decided to go for his wedding. And while I was there, I just started reading. And reading has this powerful um, sort of psychological effect, depending on what you're reading, of course. Mm -hmm. Before that, I'd been reading novels and, and, you know, things that were more feel-good. And at this point, I started reading nonfiction. I started reading about... um, It was mostly local authors I was reading about in Pakistan. Women talking about uh, various issues that that they were experiencing in the country where there is a ton of corruption, a lack of human rights in general. And that started opening up my eyes. So I started exploring and going out there in the world a little bit, meeting different nonprofit organizations like War Against Rape, who I ended up volunteering for for some time in Karachi. Started traveling a bit and asking to go to bizarre places, like visiting a jail in Pakistan and things like that. And that really, really opened up my eyes to a whole different world. I Do you also, think you were, was there...
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you were sort of right for that experience, that mm-hmm. this was a, I mean, clearly an important time, but also a really, almost a strategic time in a way.
1: You know really that was, you pick, right. that you
0: picked up the right mm-hmm. book at the right time. Because if you had have read that book okay. two years before, maybe you wouldn't mm. have had time for the book, or you would have put it oh, down, absolutely. or maybe if you weren't in Pakistan, it wouldn't have right. been, it wouldn't have resonated in the same way.
1: Absolutely, I wouldn't even find those books here right. to be honest, right. because those authors I, I think are very difficult to find here. It really was sort of life has a mind of its own, I say, and. And so we can be the best of planners. I never imagined that I would spend, I mean, I, we moved here from Hexton when I was about six years old and I had no reason to go back. I mean, parents brought me here so that I could have a solid education and all that stuff. And, you right. know, the plan is, is there on paper and, right. and in expectation, right. but things didn't quite go that way. So right. the time I had there was, I think, more educational for me than any years of education that I have spent here. Any, any year of my life, hands down, that was the most.
0: When you look phenomenal. back on it, you um, are there. Any people, mm-hmm. individuals that you met at the prison, mm-hmm. at the TV station, any mm-hmm. law authors who mm-hmm. are against rape that really stand out for you, relationally, so that just really. wow, I'll never a I'll never forget you. I might yeah. forget your name, yeah. but I'm not going to forget this experience.
1: Oh, absolutely, there were, and you know, it wasn't so much the celebrities or or. They're homes that look like museums that right. stood that stick with me. The things that stick with me are little children that I would the street children that I would have conversations with who would tell me, When I get older, I'm going to study. When I've I've been working here since I was a little kid, says a five year old. Right, <laughs> right. So it's it's that kind of stuff that just really gets inside your brain and inside your heart and just twists everything around, and and you just don't know what to do with yourself anymore. When I came back, I really didn't know how to relate to my friends here. I didn't know how Mm. to just watch a movie and disconnect from the reality of what was happening over there. So. Did
0: you find that when you did come back, ten months mm-hmm. was it about a ten months thing? Eight months. months, months, Eight months. months yeah. So that's a significant chunk of time. I mean, it you're is. not just doing yes. a two week holiday. Yeah. Uh, you're immersing yourself in the culture to some degree. Well, you're volunteering, you're working, yep. you're reading local authors. So you're yep. you're cross culturally sound yes. at this point. When you come back, um, are people listening? Wow.
1: Well, or were you
0: even sharing? Or were you did you sort of suffer a little bit of um, culture shock?
1: Oh, huge culture shock. And it wasn't when I was there, it was when I arrived back here that all of a sudden I felt discombobulated. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to have conversations anymore, I think. I'm not entirely sure, because this was a while ago, but when I tried to communicate with people, I didn't feel like it was received well. Right. I remember one of my closest friends, I started volunteering, and and now this is where I started feeling at home, I started volunteering for a place here called the Canadian Centre for Victims of Torture. In downtown Toronto, yeah. yes, they're a wonderful EZ, organization. guy by the name
0: of EZAT works there. That's
1: right, Izat
0: Masalinejad. That's right. Did I right. get that name right?
1: I think you did. That's,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. Yes. I don't know about you, sir.
1: He wonderful he, I mean, man. Oh, he's written some books now, as talk well. talk about, about people torture. standing out. That's he right. came
0: to speak two thousand and five. Mm-hmm. What's that? Nine years ago. Mm-hmm. I can see the guy. Yes. So passionate. Oh, that's right. And he's up in front of a class I was taking on development at mm-hmm. Humber College, and he knocked my socks off. Of and I I've, I've, I've have, uh, he actually spoke at an event we did a few years later, but, but yeah, just the passion, just, I don't even really remember what he talked about, but okay, boy, sorry. yeah, striking. Anyway, sorry. Yes.
1: Well, while I was volunteering, there, I would tell. I, so this one friend I was talking about, who I was the closest to, I told her that I was volunteering at the Canadian Centre for Victims of Torture. Meanwhile, she was planning a really big wedding, and she said, "Well, <laughs>
0: that's right. <laughs> she just wanted to talk about the menu, and you're here talking about torture and human rights. Pretty yeah.
1: much. It that's just, it just wasn't any connection anymore. And so, I became very introspective is, mm-hmm. is that the word mm-hmm, I sure. would spend a lot of time just watching documentaries and now reading nonfiction books and spending time with my younger siblings and I just I spent time on me which I think was the best thing ever because it, I feel like it's not education I haven't gone to school for nonprofit work I haven't gone to school for development I haven't gone right. to school to learn any of this but I have learned it along the way because of Other people's experiences that they have care to write down on paper which makes all the difference in the world. Did
0: you, it's a pretty interesting uh, notion I think that you haven't been trained Mm -hmm. and in some cases I think you know a lot of people uh, I was talking to you recently it was about a discipline of one kind or another filmmaking. It's Ah, about filmmaking and this young guy who's done the degree now in film in Vancouver and, and is working as an editor and so mm-hmm. on. He said, you know, and a lot of we were talking about Terrence Malick, mm. uh, who is a philosopher actually, mm-hmm. who became a filmmaker in the 70s, who's mm-hmm. made some incredible films, mm-hmm. but wasn't schooled in filmmaking. And so oh, we right. got under this whole, some of the greatest filmmakers weren't mm-hmm. filmmakers, they were doing other things. Yeah. And so the idea being that you're outside of the structure, that you're outside yes. of the lines, yes. that you're outside of the box, right? And you're able yes. to bring a whole other level of thinking did you have anyone so you had books Mm -hmm. um, you had a lot of mentors I suppose that you had never met or dead mentors in some respects Um, the people you're reading who I also uh, enjoy Mm -hmm. Uh, but how about any um, people that you that came alongside you that offered you support that were uh, sounding boards that were uh, so were you mentored I guess is the question I'm asking
1: that's a very good question no I don't believe I was and I think maybe that's because of my own inherent biases against really big nonprofit organizations. Right. So despite the fact that I'm I have sat on steering committees or have had a lot of I've just sort of let the kids make the decision in our right. organization. So right. we just kind of stayed away from the traditional model of nonprofits. And as a grassroots organization, it was a blank slate when we started with 14, 15 year olds in this classroom at John Fraser Secondary School where a wonderful teacher by the name of Brett Boyden let us use his classroom and we said, we're going to do something. We're going to raise awareness. We're going to talk about social and are you justice a student at this time? I am not a student. I have graduated from You're, advertising. you this is way beyond. Right. This You've is way come beyond home from Pakistan. Today. You're back. We've come home. I went to school for advertising. Yep. My dad at this point just said, "Oh, do anything." Right. <laughs> he threw his yeah. hands up and said, yeah. "Do whatever you want." Yeah. So I went to school for advertising, and I actually specialized in pharmaceutical advertising. Why? Mm-hmm. I don't know because it's not something I'm interested in working in, but it was an excellent educational experience. Sure. And in the meantime, I was teaching children's acting classes. Mm. Just kind of fell into that, I guess, the media background and, and whatnot. And so while I was teaching children's acting classes, I had a little bit of time and started this organization, YTGA, Youth Troopers for Global Awareness, with my younger sister and her friends, who were all in grade nine. And so Mr. B, Rep Boyden, let us use his classroom, and it was a absolutely tremendous experience for us because we got to just experiment. One day we wanted a newsletter, a couple of weeks later we don't need a newsletter anymore. Now we're going to start public policy change campaign. Now we're going to do a theater performance to raise funds for an organization. So we got to make our own decisions.
0: Uh, YTGA stands for?
1: Youth Troopers for Global Awareness.
0: And so how does that connect to acting? Or does it connect
1: acting? It actually does. Because I was teaching uh, theater at the time, uh, sorry, I was teaching acting classes at the time, and I've been part of a female uh, theater collective, it was almost a natural transition for me to um, bring some of my learning to the kids. And we started, in order to raise funds for issues that, were, that mattered to us as a youth group, what we started doing was is that noise just way too loud? Should we kind of hear? No, the, <laughs> okay. um,
0: that's the delivery that's, guy. That, that's the milk
1: in delivery, the organic what, milk. Organic dur- milk. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not just milk. That's organic right. from that's organic right.
1: cows. Yeah. <laughs> that's excellent. From relatively happier cows, we that's hope. That's right. <laughs> Excuse so, me. Yes.
0: So, no, you, uh, YTGA yes. acting, acting. Uh, raising some funds, advocating, right. obviously, uh, advocating. raising awareness.
1: That's it. So, we started using theater and acting as a tool to, A, raise money. So, we decided we're going to, we're raising all this awareness of all these, all these topics that matter to us. And we're writing about all these good things. How about now we take some action? And we decided to do a theater performance to raise money for another organization that does fabulous work called Sleeping Children Around the World. When we decided to do this theater performance, we spent about $750 on the venue, and then we raised like $800. So it kind of felt like our efforts were wasted, and that's why it's so important for us to have a free space
0: for organizations in the
1: city of Mississauga. It doesn't make a lot of business sense, people tell us, but it doesn't right. matter right. because it makes right. good sense. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, well, it's and it's in a way, I feel, I, it makes me sad that mm-hmm. you felt that it wasn't a success just because you raised 50 bucks, because you were obviously mm-hmm. also planting seeds. Oh, sorry. You're advocating. Sorry. You're educating, right? You're changing you're right. the way people think, and mm-hmm. and how do you put? How do you put a dollar value on that? How do you you measure that kind of stuff? It's very tough. And I think people in this field need to be reminded of that all the time, Mm -hmm. including myself, Mm -hmm. that some of the work that we're doing, some of the things that we're involved in, we are not necessarily going to see the results in our lifetime, right? And we gotta believe that. And it's hard to believe that. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning going, I'm gonna impact the life of a kid that I've never met. But the truth is, we are. You know, all of us, you know, we're all in this mess together, in this crazy, Certainly beautiful are. mess. So so is YTGA still going? Is that an initiative that's still happening?
1: Well, YTGA has now evolved into essentially Studio United. Oh, okay. So yeah. we, we realized we needed a space in order to run our own workshops. We didn't want to have to um, go to... A, he well, was a we noisy left. delivery guy. He was a noisy delivery guy. I'm <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> I'm <kidding. laughs> Uh, but what would happen is that we would go to other organizations and do workshops, and we love that. But sometimes we want to be able to expand upon the workshop we're doing. We want to be able to right. run a series, for example. We wanted to be able to branch out. We did a lot of expression through the arts workshops for other organizations. But what would have been amazing, we thought, was if we could do a series of them. So there, there is sort of long-term growth happening, and, right. and people are growing right. Right. from the experience. Uh, we also wanted to be able to explore a little bit further out and do filmmaking workshops and Photoshop workshops and watercolor workshops. And so to have a space like this now enables us to do this. And it's completely free of cost. Anybody can come and join in on these workshops. Wow, cool.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, do you have any kind of partnerships with, uh, with the Peel Board or with some, some schools specifically? Or?
1: A couple of schools, absolutely oh. huge supporters of us, like uh, Stephen Lewis Secondary School. They are a social justice school. And we also have uh, another school that's right next door, which is Philip Pocock Secondary School. Um, It's a Catholic school. And they, in fact, have a social justice club. And very soon they're starting a social justice class. Oh, that's excellent.
0: Yeah, it's those kinds of stories that, mm -hmm. you know, help to inject me with a little bit more hope than I might have had yesterday. Certainly. Uh, And you do need to offset all the... um, hmm. The real news, the negativity, the what's, yeah. you know, you look at the news today and you yeah. just go, what a friggin' mess. Yes. What a disaster <laughs> oh area, you know? I mean, yeah. on so many levels, and yet there are so many amazing, cool, wonderful things going on, right? And there exactly. are a lot of motivated people, passionate exactly. and committed to changing the world. Tell me about exactly. that. Um, our young people... Uh, spending way too much time on Twitter and Facebook, or are they actually engaged? Too much time on video games, or are mm. they changing the
1: world? Very good question. You know, I, I can't tell you, because I don't know all the students out there, but I can tell you that we all make choices, and we can use Facebook and Twitter for good, or we could use it for not so good. So I think that what I would love to see more of is more conversation about the quality of material we put out there mm-hmm. on social media mm-hmm. and what it means for our moral fabric as a society what does that say about us
0: right right and yeah i, I wonder best, sometimes what yeah. historians and sociologists will say in a hundred years right. when they look back on when facebook and twitter and this whole social media big media yes. new media hit, right. hit the streets now now what you know because mm-hmm. it is too early to tell we don't know what the impact's going to be. How has it changed the way people mm-hmm. think? What are the benefits? Because I think there's lots. Yes. There's a lot of great things. Oh, I love absolutely. Twitter, actually. I really like Twitter. And, and uh, I'm not a Facebook guy, but I am a Twitter guy. Mm-hmm. And and it's valuable if yes. you use it well. There's a lot of crap on it. Holy yes. cow. Yeah. But but uh, it can be an effective tool, right? right. And, and uh, well, you know, if there's a social justice class starting, mm-hmm. doesn't that mean that young people are more engaged than they were in my time 25 years ago when I was at school or, mm. or does it mean that the, the culture is shifting enough that we're saying "Hey, this is what we want mm-hmm. our kids learning now mm-hmm. right so perhaps, you know because Catholic yes. schools have a really strong social justice component mm-hmm. probably yeah. more so than I would say than public schools you're so, absolutely right. You know, you're absolutely so right. Things, things seem to be shifting
1: you're right and I wonder if that's in response to our connectivity to the rest of the world right. now as well now, I, I'm not a huge uh, Twitter fan because I, I don't know how to control my feed there. Right. But with Facebook, it's I've been able to... It's a pain Just right? so you know, yeah,
0: yeah. It's a fair bit of maintenance, yeah. yeah. It, to, to, to be active, anyway. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, what I love about Facebook is that I can control my feed. Right. So, I have tons of really... Um, I have science and technology and news and inspirational quotes and inspirational talks like Ted and... It um, really That'd be a good awesome book for you people. to write, by the
0: way, Controlling Your feed.
1: Controlling Your feed. Yeah. You're right.
0: That's an interesting title. Right. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be about yet, but I can see it.
1: Oh, I can already see what it's about, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's uh, it's tremendous education for me every time I go on Facebook. Hmm. So there is, there is that. And I think that young people are now starting to respond to this... To, to the community around them, I think. Because we are now, at least here in Mississauga, we have a lot of immigrants here mm-hmm. and back home. And, and one of the conversations YTGA often engaged in was that the youth, many of them, came from immigrant families. Right. And the conversation when, when we first started was like, well, there's so much poverty back home and there's nothing we can do about it. We see it when we go there for the summertime to visit our family and our relatives. And it's just awful. Right. But there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. So I think maybe it's it's a little bit of that element as well. I hope so. I mean, I I think
0: you're right. I think it is. I see it in my... Mm. I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're growing up in a different world. There's no question. They hear conversations in our home about... Mm. Cambodia and Mongolia and food right. security mm-hmm. and fair trade and mm-hmm. so they are around it in a way that I wasn't That's um, I'd never heard of organic or fair trade as a kid or mm-hmm. global change or questioning everything you know what I mean yes. and so that so that for me mm-hmm. um, creates a hopeful space and I mm-hmm. think hopefully for them creates a hopeful space as well and then you hear stories yes. about what's going on at school and, and places you know at the risk of sounding kind of you know cliche and trites places mm-hmm. like what you're doing you know studio 89 people coming in and and seeing the signs mm-hmm. and finding out why you're here and, mm-hmm. and noticing that you don't really have a garbage can but you have yes. a compost and a recycle bin i mean you that's may right. not even notice that but yes. it has i believe as a philosopher an ideological that's
1: right uh, you're
0: right um, implication that's right, right? Yes. and so my son gets upset with me when I don't recycle. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you, what, what, and he doesn't like to throw things away. Yes. Well, can, you know, I talk about it all. I can't stand <laughs> recycling. It drives me crazy because <laughs> it's time. I don't want to spend time doing that. And mm-hmm. yet he's growing up with this. It's a new way of seeing the world. Absolutely. And that makes me hopeful.
1: Well, it's taken us many, many, many decades to get to the point we are today. Industrialization, yeah. globalization. There's this quote, globalization is the quickest race to the bottom.
0: Interesting, okay. Yes,
1: because globalization has so many pros, but it also has so many cons. Uh, For example, the way we we purchase things and the impact that has corporations making a bigger buck by taking factories over there somewhere where there's a lack of labor laws, where they can pay very, very, very minimal and have nobody to answer to about that. But those savings don't necessarily get passed on to the consumers here. Right. right. There is there is that model where it's cheap, cheap, cheap. You, you yeah. buy more and we're sure. selling it to you at yep. a cheaper price. Yep. But it's the same factories also supplying to brand name chains here. There was a time when brand name was quality. It spoke to where it was being manufactured and the quality of the product. It no longer means that anymore. Now it's about brand image. Right. It is about how cool you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so that is our connectivity to the producers, the manufacturers, the factory workers, the miners, the farmers, and
0: which also could, or mm-hmm. should, or does, depending on how you want to look at it, mm-hmm. ha- have a global uh, uh, edge to it as well, Definitely. and a, hopefully a global human edge. Because exactly. if that's true, which mm-hmm. we both know it is, mm-hmm. how do I now? How does that now impact that person uh, yeah, on exactly. the other side of this equation, or on the other that's side right. of this causal? chain because right. usually mm-hmm. these chains are pretty long yes. and that's uh yeah pros and cons to globalization for sure like see internet mm-hmm. you know what is you know the world thomas friedman said the world is flat and i don't know that i agree with that i mm-hmm. think we're a long way away from mm-hmm. the leveling of the playing field in the way that he talks about it yeah. but but i think it's one of the potential benefits of right. what the internet is doing for us yes. you know bringing us together in some so, regard yes you know there's yes. nothing quite like face-to-face yeah. contact and, yeah. and so on but uh yeah. So, so, you know, mm-hmm. we got to wrap up shortly here. We're almost at 40 minutes, believe it or not. It's hard, to, <laughs> hard. It's crazy. It goes so fast. Are you hopeful? And I don't mean just for Studio 89. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that and where you're heading. That's great. Mm-hmm. But, but are you hopeful about, you know, where we're, where mm-hmm. we're all going?
1: <laughs> I am hopeful. I think that when we look at war, famine, poverty, injustice, that has always been part of the world that we live in and uh, for centuries. And I think that we can either be participating in the oppression by doing nothing at all, or we could be doing the exact opposite and trying to heal. So just like Yin Yang, I believe there are two elements at work, and you're either the healing or you're the destroying. And I think we can be the healing. So I see Studio 89 as part of that. We're trying to set an example for nonprofits, for businesses, that there is a way to succeed like this. So here's hoping that we actually do succeed like this. <laughs> we'll find out shortly if this model is sustainable. Um, but so far, so good. The community seems to be responding to to needing a, a space for their initiatives, to come and just hang out here to play board games, to get involved in some of the campaigns we're doing. You'll see our, our community board is full of different organizations running various initiatives. People are leaving information about the work that they're doing, runs that are happening for various reasons, fundraisers that are happening for various reasons all over that table over there. People are engaged. People, yeah. people care. Yeah. People care. And sometimes yeah, we just need I, to give them an outlet. And,
0: I, and then like I said just a few minutes ago, I think we both and mm. we all need to remind ourselves yes, of that yes. because it's pretty hard to to. It's hard to always be up about yes. this kind of work and about this kind of uh, impact and, and, and change. Um, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and uh, Studio 89 S-T-U-D-I-O That's the right. regular way you spell it <laughs> 89.org uh, check them out come and, come and actually check out the space come and have a copy Place. of a uh, yes. uh, cup of uh, Fair Trade with organic cow-like milk uh, <laughs> and enjoy the space and Zara, thank you so much and and um what a great way to end to i you know the quote i think we can be a part of the healing so we barely scratched the surface again <laughs> once again and uh, just proved to me that there's so much more uh, going on than, than meets the eye so thanks for joining us today thank
1: you